Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. All of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns to repentance. It doesn't say all of heaven rejoices when one radical testimony is 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 is, uh, is, is being you know made in the process. No, it says all of heaven rejoices. The power you got to understand that when we talk about our testimony, no matter how big you think your testimony is or how small it is, there's power in your testimony. And if you decide to give your testimony, if you decide to share your testimony, if somebody gives their life to God based on the based on your testimony, even though it's small, the Bible says all of heaven will still rejoice. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. Welcome back to the Kingdom Rock Network, where you are listening in on the Word of the Day 316 podcast. I'm so excited that you have decided to join in with me today. Now, if you haven't already joined in for part one, we are currently inside a Bible commentary through the book of John. Go ahead and start right here and go ahead and try to watch part one before you jump back in with us. That way you can be caught up with us and on track with us. Okay, so we're not going to prolong any time. We're just going to dive right back in where we left off. Now, we left off at John uh, chapter one, verse 35, and I'm just going to read it. and We're just going to go from there. All right. So John chapter 30, rather John chapter one, verse 35 reads the following day. John was again standing with the, with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. Then the two disciples heard this and they followed Jesus. All right. So we can see that the two disciples here, uh, two of John's disciples, they recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God and they follow him. Now, understand that they didn't recognize Jesus based off their own recollection. All right. They didn't recognize Jesus because they, they, they saw that it was the Lamb of God. They followed Jesus and they were able to recognize Jesus as the Lamb of God based off somebody else's testimony, based off of John's testimony. Let's look here at verse 36 and 37 again so we can get a closer look at this. Verse 36 says, as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, look, there's a Lamb of God. So there's a testimony. And then based on the testimony of John, look what happened. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Now, the reason I make this a point of emphasis is because this really shows the power of a testimony. All right. It shows us why it's important for us to be witnesses for Jesus. The two disciples here heard that rather they heard John the Baptist testimony and based on his testimony, they followed Jesus. It doesn't say that they saw Jesus initially and they decided to follow him. It doesn't say that Jesus came and declared that he was a lamb of God and they decided to follow him. They said the word says based off John's testimony, what they heard John say, they follow him. Now realize this could be, the, 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 again, the point that I'm making here is that our testimony is very powerful. You got to realize that somebody can be a testimony away from following Christ. That testimony could be yours. Though everyone may not be called to the mantle to be an evangelist, we're all called to evangelize. We're all called to be witnesses for Jesus. But oftentimes we don't do this because we feel that, you know, maybe we don't know enough word. We're not, we're not quite equipped. We don't know enough word or maybe we don't understand the, the foundational principles of our faith. Or maybe, you know, uh, God is still working on me in this area or in that area. Therefore, I can't do this, et cetera, this, that, and the other. But you got to understand because you're a believer, every single true believer has one thing, if nothing else. And that's a testimony. We all have a testimony. 
Your testimony could be the very thing that someone needs to hear in order for them to turn to Christ. Let's look here at John 12, 32. It says, and I, it, rather, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw. This is Jesus talking. I will draw all men unto me. So you got to understand, when we begin to give our testimony, when we begin to testify me witnesses for Jesus, it says he'll do the draw. When we lift him up, we testify about him. We, we tell people the good things that he has done for us, and he will draw men unto him. But again, so many times, many of us feel like we're unequipped. We don't know enough word, or we don't have this, or we don't know this, or we don't know that. But you got to understand that if you have nothing else, you have a testimony. Again, your testimony could be the very thing that that could be uh, for somebody for them to turn to Christ. Somebody's waiting for your testimony. Amen. All right, your testimony is a weapon. And, and, and got to understand this as well. Your testimony, there's nothing to be ashamed about your testimony. Your, your testimony, whether how big or how small it is, doesn't disqualify you. Or it, the power of your testimony isn't disqualified based on the size of your testimony. Now, me personally, I, I've heard many stories of many people radically being saved, you know, being uh, coming out of the occult world or uh, maybe, you know, strung out on drugs and addiction and this, that, and the other. And God radically saved them. And they have a radical, just a, a strong testimony. And you may look at your testimony and be like, like, well, you know, I, I didn't have that experience. You know, I didn't, you know, I was just strong out on drugs or, you know, I didn't come from, you know, a, a family of witchcraft, this, that, and the other. My testimony isn't nothing compared to them, but you got to realize something. The Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one sinner turns to repentance. It doesn't say all of heaven rejoices when one radical testimony is, 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 uh, is, is being, you know, made in the process. No, it says all of heaven rejoices. The power, you got to understand that when we talk about our testimony, no matter how big you think you're testimony is or how small it is there's power in your testimony and if you decide to give your testimony if you decide to share your testimony if somebody gives their life to God based on the based on your testimony even though it's small the Bible says all of heaven will still rejoice all of heaven rejoices again your testimony could be the the, the determining factor of somebody giving their life to Christ amen there's power in your testimony all right and again I'll just read it again here it says Again, verse 36, in, uh, verse 36 and 37, it says, as Jesus walked by, uh, John looked at him and declared, look, there's the Lamb of God. Again, the testimony, uh, verse 37 says, when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. All right, so again, there's power in our testimony. There's power in our testimony. All right, so let's continue to read on. Um, let's look at verses 38. We'll conclude through this chapter right here, verses 38 uh, through 52. And I'm just going to read uh, read ahead. All right. And again, we're reading from the NLT version. All right. So whatever version you're reading from, I'll be reading from the NLT version. Um, and we're just going to follow through. Okay. So let's read here. 38 says, Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him for the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John what John said and, and followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found a Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John. But you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip from Bethsaida. I'm sorry, Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of 
rather the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now there is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know that about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe me? Rather, do you believe this just because I told you I have seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will see all of heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. All right. So as we conclude through this chapter, these verses that we're reading right here, there's two points that I want to pull from here. There's two things I want to whether there's two verses I want to focus on. Um, now, we got to understand it's important and the verse we're going to be focused on the verses 42 and 47, by the way. Okay. But I want to make the point here that it's important to know that and understand that when Jesus sees us, when, when Jesus looks at us, he doesn't look at us based on what other people see, you know, about us. He doesn't look at us about uh, based on how we feel about ourselves. He looks at us and he looks not just at us, but he looks in us. He looks deep within us. He looks at our hearts. Let's look here. I'm going to, I'm going to take while I'm making this point. Let's look here at verse 42 and it, and it reads, the angel brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, understand that the name Simon means to be hot temper. All right. It means to be violent. It means to be Simon was a hothead. You know, and his name kind of signified that he was a hothead. But Jesus says, I, I won't call you Simon. I'll call you Cephas. And this is important because Cephas or Peter uh, uh, me means to be as stable as a rock. So, again, the point that I'm making here is that when Jesus looks at us, because the Bible says Jesus looked intently at Peter or rather at Simon Peter, it says he looked intently. Jesus doesn't look at our outward appearance. He doesn't look at our, our outward, you know, uh, what, we, what we have on or how we look like outwardly. He looks deep. He looks intently at us and he looks deep within us. And just like he did with Simon, he says, you know what? Your, your, your name is Peter. You're a hothead. You're, you're violent. But I'm going to call you Cephas, which means stable. You're stable as a rock. And we can see the same thing here in verse 47 as well. The same thing for Nathaniel. It says, um, for, uh, verse 47 reads, as they approached, Jesus said, now here is the genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. So again, we can see this principle of Jesus not just looking at Nathaniel, but he's looking within him. He's looking at those intrinsic values within him. He says, you're a man of complete integrity. And look at Nathaniel's response. It, he, he says, how do you know this about me? Now, I, I can almost imagine that Nathaniel, he, he knows this about himself. Many people probably don't know this about him, but, you know, there's certain things that we know about ourselves that we, we just don't tell people. Like, you know, we may be a very loving person. You may look angry on the outside, but deep, deep down, inside, you know, I'm actually a really loving person or, or this, that, and the other. But here we can see that when, when Jesus looked at, at, at Nathaniel, he says, you're a man of complete integrity. And, 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 and Nathaniel's uh, response, he says, how do you know this about me? You, you're, you're looking not just at me, but you're looking within me. How do you know this about me? This is a intrinsic value. See, people don't just, when people look at us, they don't just see our intrinsic value, you know, based on looking at us. You got to spend time with somebody. You got to really get to know somebody before you see these intrinsic values. 
And see, the thing about Jesus, you know, he knows it's about us. He, he doesn't have to spend time with us or he doesn't have to just, you know, kind of evaluate us. He can look right at us and look not only at us, but he can look in us and see those intrinsic values. Just like here with uh, Nathaniel, he said, you're a man of complete integrity, a true or rather a, a true son of, of, of Israel. The same thing he did for Peter. He says, your, your, your name is uh, rather your name is Simon. You're, you're a hothead. But I'm going to call you Peter. I'm going to call you Cephas because you're as stable as a rock. And this is the same thing he does for me. This is the same thing he does for you. He doesn't just look at us and, and, and you know, based on how we feel about ourselves or based on what other people have uh, you know, said about us or based on what other people have, you know, spoken about us. You know, you know, they're this or they're that or they're this or they're that. And we, been to, and we began to get conditioned to these things and we began to accept these things. But the thing about Jesus, just like here, when he looks at us, he looks at us very intently. He doesn't just look at us, but he looks within us and he sees you for who you truly are. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, and we're going to conclude just here with uh, the, the rest of this reading. And um, 50 says, uh, Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under a fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, I'll tell you the truth. You will see all of heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Amen. So again, this concludes chapter one. Um, again, if you haven't already watched, rather, if you haven't already, you know, watched part one, episode one, where we talked about the beginning of chapter one, I definitely encourage you to do that on uh, kingdomrock.org, www.kingdomrock.org. Amen. So we're going to go ahead and continue here in chapter two. And today our focal point is going to be particularly on the waiting of Cana. Now, a lot of people know this story or a lot of people rather think that they know this story, um, but we're really going to dive into it today and really try to break it down and, and really see what Jesus is talking about here. All right. So we're going to just start here um, with the reading of it. Uh, it's going to be verses uh, John chapter two, verses one through verse 12. I'm going to read it and then we're going to go back and talk about it. So it reads. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus's mother was there and Jesus and his disciples are also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivals. So Jesus rather the wine supply ran out during the festi the festivities. So Jesus murder told them they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby was six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the, rather, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip, out, rather, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the masters of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had came from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called to the bridegroom. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has a, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have saved the best until now. This miraculous sign and rather this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first Jesus, the first was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brothers and his disciples. All right. So let's go ahead and break this down, because, again, many people know this story. Or they have, you know, a little bit of, of, of knowledge of this story and, and they take it and they, they apply principles to it. That, that's not even what the story is talking about. But let's go ahead and get started here. Let's first look at verse four. Um, it says uh, Jesus, mother of uh, Mary, she says rather uh, 
Jesus' mother tells uh, Jesus, you know, they've run out of wine in, ver in chapter, verse 3. They've run out of wine. Jesus replies, he says, dear woman, in, in verse 4, he says, dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. So what does Jesus mean by this? Why, why does he reply in this way? What is he talking about? What, this time that he's talking about, what is he talking about here? Well, we can look at a few scriptures later on in the book of John. Let's look here at, uh, there's Carl Scherfer's scripture, John 12, 23, and it reads, Jesus replied, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted into the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will be rather but its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Now Jesus is talking about himself here. This parable that he's speaking of, he's talking about himself. He's talking about how he must die, and from his death, many new lives will be sprouted out of it. Many new lives will be produced from it. All right, and, and again, stick with me. This is going to make sense because this, this plays a big part in, in really understanding what Jesus is talking about in this story. Amen. Let's look at another verse here uh, talk, talking about this time. Again, Jesus said, my time has not yet come. Let's look at uh, Matthew 26, verses 45, and it reads, Then he came to his disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinners. Up, oh, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And again, we know that, you know, as we proceed in that particular story, in this particular story, Jesus was betrayed and, and you know, later on crucified. This is that time that he's talking about. All right. So again, verse four, dear woman, that's not a problem. My time has not yet come. Now, we also got to ask the question, what what does this have to do with the context of this event? What what, what is really going on here? What what does this have to do with, with, with everything that's going on? You know, Mary said there's no more wine. Jesus said my time has not yet come. What what is this? What's the correlation here? How, how do we really understand this? What is Jesus talking about? Well, to understand this, let's jump down. And we'll come back to everything in the middle. But let's jump down here first to verse 10. And it reads. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. Now, during this time period, whenever, the, whenever there was a wedding, whenever there was, whenever there was a wedding event, it was a groom's job to provide the wine for the attendees. And um, not only was it his job to do so, but he was supposed to, uh, it was customary for him to supply an endless supply of it. It wasn't supposed to run out. That that was not a good look if the wine ran out. All right. Now, again, let me just make this point right here. This this particular story, Jesus isn't endorsing the drinking of alcohol. All right. Let's just, just stay with me for a second. We're, we're going to get through it. Okay. Now, obviously, we, we obviously this can be a. Uh, 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 this, this can be kind of expensive. Supplying an endless supply of wine for attendees at a at a party. This can be kind of expensive. So, so again, what happens? What usually happens is, and again, what what the uh, the master of ceremony says that the 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 groom always serves the best wine first, and then once everybody gets a little bit, you know, uh, uh, you know, woozy and everything, then you bring out the cheap stuff, the the, the less expensive stuff, because again, you want to keep a, a flowing supply of wine going. You don't want to run out. You want to keep a, a flowing supply going, even if you have cheap stuff mixed with the the uh, the, the the best stuff. Again, this was custom. This was tradition to bring the good stuff first, and then the the, the, the not so good stuff last. So. It's like you serve the best wine first, then again, the inferior stuff lastly. So it was the good wine and then the bad wine. It was a superior wine and then the inferior wine. 
But what happens at this wedding is something that, that, that it's a little atypical. It goes against the status quo of what typically happens in these situations. Again, verse 10 reads, a host always serves the best wine first. This is tradition. This is what usually happens. A host typically serves the best wine first. He said, then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. Or in, or, or in other words, he's saying it's traditional to do it like this, or it's customary to do it like this. It's standard to do it like this, but you have broken the tradition. You have broken the custom. You have broken the norm, but you have kept the best wine until now. So you see here, this isn't just a party trick that Jesus is trying to do here, nor is he endorsing the consumption of alcohol. He's here to break the status quo. He's here to disrupt a tradition. He's here to go against the norm. Before Jesus came, the Jews had the law. They, they had the law of Moses. And, and just like this original choice wine at, at, the, at, the, at, the wedding at the wedding celebration, the law was good. In fact, the law was perfect. All right, and we know this to be true according to Romans 7, 12, uh, 1 Timothy 1, 8, uh, Psalms 19, 7, and, and many other scriptures. We know the law to be, to be perfect. The law was perfect. But you got to understand, we can't be perfected by the law because of our sinful nature. So God had to do something that only God can do. He made perfect more perfect. I don't know the term after perfect, but he's the only one that can make perfect better. He's nobody else can do that. I've never seen it happen before. I've never seen something perfect become more perfect. Jesus did rather God did that. He did that through his son, Jesus. All right. So just like in this story, they had good wine. They had the choice wine, but it's going to run out. But Jesus, not only did he replenish the wine, but he made again, he went against the status quo. He, he went against the tradition. He made the, 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 the latter one better than what the first one was. Amen. So Jesus is showing us here that the latter one or the law, which is good, it won't sustain you. It's going to run out. It will come to an end. And just like this good one and just like this good one, it has come to an end. But understand that Jesus replaces the good one that runs out being the law, a.k.a. the old covenant with the new one, his blood being the new covenant, which is better than that of the old one. Amen. So this story here, again, people try to take it as if Jesus is endorsing, you know, drinking alcohol or this or that. But that's not what Jesus is showing us. The picture that Jesus is showing us is a is a picture of the old covenant coming to an end and the new covenant coming to fulfillment. Amen. The wine running out. All right. And then he's bringing forth the new wine, which is his blood, which is himself. Amen. So, again. This is what Jesus is talking about here. He's not trying to endorse alcohol. He's trying to show us a picture of, of, of his purpose, why he is here. All right. And again, if, if you don't really slow down and walk and read through the word, you'll miss this whole entire thing that he's trying to teach us here. All right. This is no party trick. This is not no endorsement of alcohol, but Jesus is trying to show us why he is here. Amen. And as I said earlier, we'll go back and we'll look in between because there's, there's some good stuff in here as well. Let's take a look. Uh, let's take a closer look here at verses four through eight. And it reads, dear woman, that's not a problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Standing nearby were six stones of water used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the water, rather fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take some to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. Now, as we read here, the point that I want to kind of focus on here is faithful obedience. 
we can read this story and, and we know how the story ends. So typically when we read stories about the Bible, we, we know how it ends. So we kind of miss everything in between. But you got to understand that these people, these, these different people inside these stories, these true events, they didn't know how it was going to end. So let, let, let's really let's really bring something into perspective here. Let's look at this whole entire thing from the service perspective. Again, they're the servants. They're the ones that serving the wine and everything. And, and I'm sure they're noticing, okay, the wine is getting kind of low. You know, what, what's going on here? So at this point, I'm sure they're probably panicking. They don't know what to do. And then here comes Mary. Do what he tells you to do. So at this point, I'm sure they're probably desperate. Whatever works, works. You know, I'm sure they're probably desperate. Now, they need wine. But Jesus tells them something, something that's completely different. He says, go, go fill these jars up with water. Now, if I'm here inside this predicament, I'm going to be honest. If I'm trying to get some more wine and, and, and I'm kind of panicking and the, the wine's running out, and this man right here tells me, go fill these jars up with water, these six jars up, 30-gallon jars filled with water. This is very time consuming because you got to understand there, there's no water hose back in those days. They had to go get water, bring from place to place, place to place. These servants, they had to bring this water from place to place. But notice something here. They didn't rebuttal. They didn't go against what Jesus said. They obeyed. They listened. Why? Because Mary said, listen to what he tells you to do. So they, they obeyed him, not knowing what was going to happen, but they obeyed him. And, and, and because of their obedience, because they, they, they went and they got the water and they filled every single one of these ceremonial washing jars up with water, they experienced a miracle. Now, again, this is something that we can miss because, again, we know how the story ends, but because of their faithful obedience, and, and it's just like us in our lives. God may tell us to do something sometimes. We, we may be praying about something. We may be trying to do something in our lives, and, and, and we know what we, we need to try to get to, but God tells us to do something that's completely just, just atypical. It's just like, Lord, that doesn't make sense to what I'm trying to get to, and he'll tell us to do something like that. And many times we don't obey him. And we, many times we, we just kind of miss it and we just completely go overboard with it and we just kind of throw it aside. Imagine if these servants would have done that. Imagine if Jesus would have said, fill these jars with water. Imagine if they would have rebuttal and said, no, we need wine. I'm not going to fill these jars with water. That, that's too much work. Imagine had they done that. They would have missed out on a miracle. And it's just like us in our lives. Jesus may, the Lord may tell us to do something. Go pray for this person or go do this or go do that. And we may like thinking that, Mama, Lord, that, like, why, that doesn't make sense. Well, why, why do you want me to do that? But you got to understand faithful obedience breeds miracles. Just like in the story right here, these servants, they were faithfully obedient. They didn't rebuttal against Jesus. They didn't argue back. They didn't do nothing like that, but they obeyed him. Though I'm sure they were tired because, again, this was six water jars. There was no water hose. They had to get water, bring from place to place. I would have been tired. I'm sure they were tired. But, they, again, they didn't, they didn't contest Jesus. They just, they just obeyed. They obeyed. Imagine if we did this in our lives. When God tells us to go do something, when God tells us to go this way, when God tells us to, to do this or to do that, imagine if instead of complaining because it may not make sense to us, imagine if we just obeyed. All right. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding, because sometimes when the Lord tells us to do something, it's not going to make sense. We're not going to understand. But it says, lean not to your own understanding. Trust in him in all thy ways, and he will direct your path. So imagine just in many times in our lives where God may have told you to do something, or maybe even now God is telling you to do something, or he's pressing something on your heart to do something, or, or go there, or go to pray for this person, or call this person, and it may not even make sense. It may seem random to you, but wow, because you don't understand it. But again, we got to trust the Lord, because many times when we begin to obey him faithfully, we can experience the supernatural. We can experience America. We can experience wonderful things, just like these servants did. All right, because if you read down, I, I love this part right here. Um, 
in verse 9, it says, When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had came from, and in parentheses, I love this, it says, though, of course, the servants knew. So again, many times in our lives when we uh, just faithfully obey God, when he tells us to do something, if, you, if we just faithfully obey him, we can experience some wonderful things. Amen. So again, we're going to come to a close right here. Uh, we're going to we're going to start off next time in verse 13 and we're going to finish through uh, chapter two and we'll start off with Nicodemus in chapter three. So I'm so excited that you have decided to join in with me today. I pray that this has brought you clarity and understanding of God's word. It has truly blessed me and I pray that it has truly blessed you. Um, I love you all and I will see you all next time. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.